Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to Phil's Recap and Review, The Sopranos, Season 1, Episode 5, College. And here we are, Phil and Matt, two guys that would never let our wives and our girlfriends stay home for a weekend night alone with the priest. Nope. Never, never. Would Although never. if I did, I did. I'd want it to be a Catholic one because of the chance that he wouldn't be interested in her. Ex- yeah, exactly. Very dangerous situation in this episode. Guys, welcome back to the post-episode issues. Phil's recap and review of The Sopranos. Tonight, we're going to talk about a very interesting episode of The Sopranos. And in some ways, well, up definitely a lot of ways, up until this point, the most critically acclaimed episode of The Sopranos. It was the first episode to win awards. Edie Falco won her first award because of her performance in this episode it was credited by david chase and many times as the prototypical soprano episode it was argued that this episode shouldn't have happened by hbo executives because it's the first time we see tony really be a bad guy there's lots of fun stuff but if this is your first time joining us whenever you're watching this or listening to this please find a way to touch base with us and tell us what you think of this episode of the sopranos you can always email me at i got issues man at gmail.com you can tweet me at i got issues man you can call and leave a voicemail or call in during a live show at 781-91 excuse me 990-8509 and you can also subscribe to the youtube page Fill uh, fill the issues guy. If you search that on Google, it'll be the first thing that comes up. And subscribe so you can check out when we go live and when we do these live productions if you happen to be listening to the audio cast of this. Okay, all of that out of the way. You guys know how to join us. And if you're with us live, we got the chat room opened. And it, also the chat wing chat room is open as well. So feel free to reach out to us at different places if you have any questions for this episode or any other Sopranos stuff. So Matt. Right away, before we get to the end of the episode, I do want to say this this was my favorite episode of the season so far. Really? Yeah, I got to say it really was. I, I can tell by your really that it's definitely not yours because it's a weird episode, isn't it? You know, the first time you watch it, you don't realize because I was watching, you know, it's season one. I wasn't, you know, you don't know all the characters that deeply yet. And when you watch it now, you realize that no one's in it. The reason it can't be my favorite is there's no Junior, there's no Olivia, there's no... None of none of the guys outside of Christopher. That's the closest thing you have to it. You know, no pussy. <laughs> no pussy. No pussy in this episode. Do you know what I no. love about it? And the opposite of what I love about it is I love that it's more of a focused story. It's a focus on who Tony Soprano really is and seeing the dark side of Tony. That's why I like it because instead of Tony in the first few episodes seeming like a good guy, you really get to see the dark side of him and the lengths he'll go. And I also really juxtaposed, juxtaposed with him driving his daughter around to look at college. Yep, you know ju- I mean? juxtap- same juxtaposed with an, the awesome scenes with Carmela tonight. I see why Edie Falco won an award for this episode. Yeah. She plays the myriad of emotions, and you really get inside Carmela's mind. You may have thought I was going to come out here and bash her because I do think she's. Well, I assume, and, and I will. She, there's a couple of things she does and says that are very manipulative, and just her whole thing in this episode, but. Edie Falco as an actress and her performance, she really comes to play. And this shows Carmela's complete side. And ultimately, we talk about when characters became characters. This is when she gets all sides of Carmela. There's no more Carmela holding the gun really after this and things like that. This is Carmela always manipulating, looking out there with the radar beam, looking for someone to cheat on Tony with to try to get some connection. Because if Tony can get away with it, why can't I? Mixed with her conflict with her religion and... 
And I think that is real. Her conflict is real. It's not that she's she's not faking that, that she feels terrible about what she's allowed to happen in front of her. And she admits that she's whatever. We'll get into that. Oh, my gosh. Uh, here we go. Sam says, oh, my God, Carmelo was so annoying this episode, but I agree, Phil. Out of the episodes from season one, I really like this one, too. And Ren says, me and Joe are out. Yeah, Joe is streaming live. If you're curious what Joe's up to right now, you can check him out on Dirty Issues Gaming right now, streaming some Game of Thrones uh, uh, video game from Telltale. Hi, Joe. We love you. So we connect. And, okay, I I think that in this episode – with Carmella, she is annoying. She is hard to deal with, as Sam was saying in the chat. But she really, I just, again, I can't say enough great things about Edie Falco's performance in this episode. The fact, it's the happy balance in a show that if a character is a character you hate, is that a credit to the actor or the actress? And it really is with Carmella. I hate her. Joe often talks about it. He can't fucking stand Carmella with all of his might. That's such a great performance by Edie Falco doing that character. Oh, yeah. And through the whole thing, she looks sick. Like, she makes that – it still comes through the whole time. You know what I mean? It's uh -huh. amazing. A hundred percent. And her relationship with Father Phil, that's – it's – Monsignor Jughead, let's Monsignor be Jughead. Oh, the priest? Monsignor Jughead? Really awesome stuff. And I feel like it's one of the few things in The Sopranos that we see the story through – uh, all the way through and it really peaks in this episode there's a couple of other interactions with this throughout the series like when we get down to J Carmela being jealous that he has relationships with other girls but for the most part this is really the whole beginning middle and end of our relationship between Carmela and the and the priest it never gets closer or more serious than right. it is in this episode and Sam says, exactly, that's what it, with Joffrey and Ramsey. Uh, it's just a credit to the actor. The actress is playing such a nasty role. Yeah, any actor or actress that can play that or find such joy in the performance of a character like that, it's a credit to the it, – it really is a credit. And you, you can't say enough good things about that. I mean, it's – some could say it's easy, but it's hard, especially on these real-life dramas, to play these horrible people sometimes. Some actors have a really tough time. Uh, Tony Soprano, uh, James Gandolfini being one of them. He has a lot, very much difficulty shooting like serious, violent scenes. It's something he has a lot of trouble with. And The Sopranos probably would have gone on a few more seasons if he would have been more okay with that. Yeah. Who do I hate more, Carmella or Cersei? We've talked about this a little bit on Game of Thrones casts. I think... Who do I hate more? I think Cersei is e more evil and, and crazier. But I think I personally hate Carmella more because she seems more like a real person. Like, I know people like Carmella. We were talking a lot about something in the pre-show of some types of people that Matt and I know from growing up. Carmella is definitely relatable to, to some of the mothers of some of the people we were talking about. And you don't consider her a victim at any point. No, Carmela a victim a little bit towards the end of the when we get into it. But I really not in this episode when she's crying and going crazy about her bullshit. I don't see her as a victim. It's it's someone saying, oh, shit, I'm so hungry. I'm starving. I'm fucking starving. Oh, God, what the fuck? I'm starving. Well, you've got leftovers in the refrigerator. I don't eat leftovers. It's just you're not starving then. 
Because if you were really starving, if you really gave a shit about this, you have enough stuff. You have family. There's things Carmella can do. She's not an idiot. She has talents. She she likes to brag that I could have got my real estate license and all this sort of shit. Then move the fuck out and and do what you have to do for your kids. She's afraid, and she admits in this episode, it's not because of the, all of this. It's, it's not because well, she says she's selfish. I totally she's get selfish, that. and and that's what kind of bothers me about Carmela because this is as close as we get to her really admitting this. It, it, after this, the, all this manifests itself as is her being an asshole to Tony, and he doesn't understand why. And that's what kind of pisses me off about it a little bit. But whatever, whatever. I know, I know. Maybe I'm a little hard. Again, maybe she is a little close to home with me because Carmela reminds me of some family members I have, or certain people that are like master manipulators that that really irritate me. And I see, I see her as being, and I think Tony is too. And I don't know why it is that it bothers me more with Carmela than it is with Tony. And I have to enter the question: Is it? Because you're just a misogynist. Because I'm a misogynistic asshole. That's a possibility. That is a possibility here. But with Carmella, they're both hypocrites. And they're both hypocrites in different ways. I think Tony's more genuine of his faults when he's talking to Milfi. And I think that's probably why I accept him a little bit more. Because we more see him be raw with some character and talk and just lay it on the line. So you can see that I think I'm full of shit the way he talks. He's more aware of things where Carmela sometimes to me it seems like she's talking out of both sides of her ass. But but that Skylar. Okay, then we include Skylar into the mix. Who bothers you? Does Skylar bother you, Matt? Well, yeah, but that's part of the whole this yeah, I can't stand stick to Skylar. <laughs> but she's almost in a way more of a victim than I consider Carmella is, I, I guess. consider Skylar more of a victim because while yeah, she's also way more of a just upfront bitch to your face. Yeah, she is. And Carmela's more of a master manipulator behind closed doors. But I think with Skylar White, not to get too far down on that road, I think she was more manipulated by somebody. And he took advantage of her mental state, the fact that she just had a baby and how fragile just her mind was and how everything worked with his health and and how it all mixed in he used those sorts of things as manipulation tony put it right out there in a silver platter what he was carmela knew it carmela you grew up around around oh she knew what she was doing but she was young and stupid how many girls they i know but but still in the sense that when tony and i'm quoting tony at some point later when they get into a fight carmela you grew up around around uh multi jackie no what was chris's dad's name i forget it frankie Montesante and all these people you grew up you just assume it's frankie yeah sounds right it's it's about right it's uh, i'm one for five i have no idea what it is so you could totally be right (laughs) oh my god okay so let's get into talking about more about what happens in this episode now the majority of the episode revolves around two basic storylines the first is tony and meadow's trip to maine and they're looking for college for Meadow. And the other story, and connected to that storyline, is Tony. He sees at a gas station a rat that he recognizes, and he's trying to remember if it's actually the person. It's kind of this cloak and dagger game between Tony and this guy, seeing who gets the jump on who. And the second major storyline is with Carmela and her priest father, Phil. And this leads to like a lot of awkwardness between the two of them. And, and I really love the interactions between, between Father Phil and her in this episode. Specifically Father Phil, who I don't like in future episodes, but I like him here. 
And this was the first episode that Paul Schlutze, as Father Phil for the very first time, who also was on Oz with uh, Edie Falco. So there is some connection acting. He wasn't in this at all before? I know the first, I know the pilot episode was a different guy totally, but he wasn't in episode two, three, or four? No, this was his first uh, first appearance. Okay. Okay, so the episode starts off right off the bat, Tony and Meadow. Meadow asks Tony, well, they're coming out of the college, and she's talking about how Bates is the best form of contraception, shit like that. And Tony is, and also about how they have a good program to be able to go away to India for the for the year. And Tony makes, of course, a classic Tony comment about it. You, you major in diarrhea. Yeah, you major in diarrhea. Something to that effect of Tony. Oh, my gosh. Tony. What do you want to do? No, what do we want to do here, Tony? Okay. Now, uh, it gets in the car, and the important thing that happens in this scene is that we eventually lead into him and Meadow driving in the car and her asking him if he is in the mafia. Point blank, too. She just says it to him. Straight out. Straight out. The Basically... Basically, come to see. Are you in the mo- are you in the mafia? Am I what? Whatever you want to call it, organized crime. And Tony's like total crap. Who told you that, Dad? I lived in my house the whole life. I, it's important to say all these lines because they're fucking hilarious. I've seen police come with warrants. I've seen you going out at three in the morning. You've never seen Doc Cusimano go out at three in the morning. Did the Cusimano kids ever find 50, 50 grand in a forty five automatic when hunting for Easter eggs? Okay, it's. It's a really fun scene, and I think it's my first fa- first Meadow scene that I really love Meadow in. Yeah. I, lo- I love I, – would you ever have the balls in this situation, Matt, to ask your mother and or father if they were in the mafia like she does? I think at this point she's going away to college. and it, But it shows the, how close those two really are to each other that she feels comfortable asking them. And I think that's the most important part of this whole thing is that – she you you learn how close those two are how much he loves her as a father and daughter and you and i can never understand that because no, we're because we're guys because yeah, we're we guys. Don't have kids we didn't have that we didn't we didn't have that connection um, we know how it feels with our dogs <laughs> although i don't know if i could ever ask it's one of those things would you want to know you just figure it out like she did kind of figure it out i guess she was probably more than anything testing him to see if he would just be honest with her at this and point. i think it also is worth mentioning that he has the whole do the kids at school know and yeah. oh they yeah they kind of know they kind of think it's cool and i connect back to again my own past we talked about this in the last episode doing some gambling and some other stuff with my mother and the cool kid, kids are cool kids at school being like oh that's cool your mother's into that stuff yeah. that's neat that she's into gambling yada yada it's so cool that she lets you do x y and z and i'm thinking no it isn't but i'm gonna play with this and i'm gonna be okay right. with this and i think she just appreciates him being honest and again calls him out for at least you don't deny it like mom uh, Carmela really bothers Meadow because she views Carmela as a victim, as someone that didn't take responsibility for herself. Something yeah. that Meadow's like, I would never do that. So she kind of. I, I think Meadow's also comfortable asking this because she knows she's the smartest person in the family. She's clearly like she knows she's smarter and more motivated than either one of her parents ever has been. So she can kind of take that, you know, that lead. I you guess. could argue that maybe in the right circumstance, the right, the right perfect blend of chemicals tony probably could have been really really extra educated if he had tried probably because he has a good sense of history and understanding when he reads a book he ascertains the information very well he just never was put in that position he was an athlete in college or an athlete in high school that got a minor college 
scholarship because of his football, because of his ability to play football, and was never really took education seriously at all. And well, you also see even even in that conversation how much he's already learned from talking to uh, to Melfi when he says to her, you know, like I don't care how the kids at school feel. How do you feel? How do you how feel? You with this? Great point, Matt. It's it's all stuff he just got in therapy, you know. Absolutely, a hundred percent, and great, excellent point. In the chat room, let's jump in there for a second. Ren Renwood, welcome. Says I love this episode, but just with him and Meadow. And Sam says I completely agree. Uh, I love the scenes with Tony and Meadow, but the whole Carmela Priest story was just annoying. And Ren says, "Yeah, we're a bunch of child-free families at our age. We all have animals." But yeah, I, and I can see how people were annoyed by the one of these reviews, one of these websites that I look at for some some notes for the episodes that we talk about here. Sopranoautopsy.com is a good one, and and there's another one as well that I'm blanking on the name. But they were saying in their description of this episode that everything Carmela and the priest they couldn't deal with and was annoying to them, and they just liked the Tony and Meadow stuff. I feel like I like the counterbalance that you have between the two of them, even in the way that Meadow gets drunk with uh, Tony and kind of almost has a near accident of getting shot by the guy later on by by whatever his name is, uh, uh, Petrullio. And then He's Fred at the end, I think, right? Fr yeah, Fred Petrullio, Fabian Petrullio. And with the priest and Carmela, with Father Incontola and Carmela, the almost happening of him almost breaking his vows with her and something bad almost happening and him getting drunk and getting sick. Both of them, like the two counterbalances of it. But I agree with you, Matt. And I agree with the chat room, too, that a lot of characters are conspicuous by their absence, especially in the scene that we're going to get to in a few minutes with Christopher and all the Christopher stuff back and forth. And the fact that a lot of the characters get referenced, they just never get seen. Even from the point where Tony goes, I should probably we call these guys and we never see them that never happens it would have been interesting to see and they never get talked and i i'll have to remember and maybe it gets talked about in future episodes but we never even get polly's reaction to this happening we never get some of the people that tony's right. like some of the other people in the crew polly and pussy they knew friends that were affected by this guy and yeah. it would have especially with what's to come later it would have been neat it would have been neat neato to see, to see what pussy's reaction to it is <laughs> and, well, and let's be honest he tony doesn't come out in, in the scene with her in the car and say straight up he's in the mafia what does he say he says he says some of my some of my income comes from illegal gambling yes some of it but meadow some and whatnot some of my m money comes from illegal gambling and whatnot how do kids how does this make you feel but let me know make sure you know that most of the money comes from reasonable sources comes from most of my money is made on the books and, he's, and she's like don't mealy mouth me now and it's an right. interesting dynamic to set up in the episode where they get into this point where he tells her something honest and he ex and then she as a kid because she's still an idealist thinks that this means he's going to be honest about everything and right. she gets very pissed off in the later points of the episode as we'll pass through this that He's not being honest about why he's using the fucking payphone and that he gets upset that she tells him that she did meth. All this sort of shit that, that connects to it. And it's also maybe the closest Meadow ever comes. I, I mean, well, she dates Jackie Jr. But with Tony, outside of that weird incident way on in like season six when they yeah. that guy in the restaurant. Yeah, the guy that gets curved. the closest she ever gets to the actual – you know world of it and and that's what i was meant yeah. to and that's what i was kind of hinting at at the very beginning of the episode saying that what's really awesome about this to me 
is that they really show the lengths that Tony will go. And as Ren just pointed out in the chat room, even on a trip to visit his people in his uh, take his daughter to colleges, there's no rest for Tony Soprano's work. No. He will not take a rest when he sees it and there is no rest in this life. And ultimately, again, we'll talk about this at the end when we do get into like the fun facts section. But this was the first time we really saw Tony in this light. It was important, and I mentioned this, and I'll mention it once again, HBO execs did not want this to happen now, but this was something that David Chase was adamant about happening right now in this episode before Tony became too much of a hero. And something that he struggles with, David Chase and and James Gandolfini struggle with until the end. And some could say you get a lot of the decisions that they make way off in season six when Tony becomes a complete villain, ultimately. They made those decisions because they did not want him to be glorified. And to do our Breaking Bad thing, which was eventually a bigger thing that Matt and I talk about, whereas I think with Walter, they wanted to show you the rise and fall and then the redemption. And I don't want to get into specifics, but I feel like they wanted to show you a redemption of him of sorts, too. Where Tony, we never get any redemption. Never. Tony Tony is not a a redeeming character. He's not. He's a horrible fucking person. And and he ends up showing that much more in the end of the series. I think this is our first glimpse at it. And, yeah, Tony is not – Tony's not – Tony's no, Tony's no good person. <laughs> no good person. And almost as good as my English is Tony not being a good person. Okay, so then we get right our next scene, and this is sort of a yada, yada, yada scene. We go into, we see Tony on the phone with his girl, with his, uh, with his Gumar, and she just freaks out because he has a family and won't spend time talking to him enough. But what's funny about that, one of my favorite parts of it, though, is what I did pick up. Some of her lines are some of the most, the things you see all through The Sopranos, which is they just, there's comedy that if you don't really listen closely, you won't hear it. It's her mispronouncing stuff. She goes, don't throw up in my face what you bought for me. Like, don't throw up in my face. Like, that's, yeah, it's a misplay on words. And then she, she's telling the story about how, she's mad at Tony because he won't marry her and he's out of town and her cousin's been in the country for only two months and she's already getting married. And she's like, and her prosthetic leg fell off. Right. And, and it's, and wor- then her, her husband, her boyfriend carried her out like a knight in white satin armor, which is like ridiculous, but just a, you know, a total misplay in the English language. And it's, it's worth mentioning too. I'm glad you brought that up. I had that right below the white, the knight in white satin armor is a future episode title of the Sopranos. This episode is littered with future episode titles. And that's one of them. And also Svetlana gets brought up, who is a character that will come back later on in a big be, way, in a big way, in a very big way. And all of this, everything that she's saying here, a lot of what happens in this episode is huge setup. And David Chase has mentioned several times that part, all of that is part of the reason why he considers this the prototypical Soprano episode. In a lot of ways, this is David Chase's favorite episode of The Sopranos, which is interesting to, in, to think about. That he thinks it's only got four characters in it, really. It really does only have four characters. And really, it's, I mean, there's a couple of, and it has a few more, but you're right. The only, there's only four important characters in this episode. Right. AJ's in it. Chris is in it. A couple of other, but they're just flashes of them. There's, they're they're not important. That could have been all. anyone. Anyone. I mean, AJ's whatever. Thank God he was only in it for a minute. Yeah, but we, Christopher could have been played by four other people in this. Like it wouldn't have mattered in this episode. Exactly. I think the reason why they made it Christopher was so Tony could 
kind of just tell him to stay the fuck out of it so it could be Tony's business. I think that's yeah, why it also, was. Also, they needed that because what, like we talked about last week and the week before, is you don't realize in the beginning how much Chris doesn't listen to Tony at all. I think they needed good point to Matt. be a point where he listens to him because up to this point, I'm like, holy shit, I forgot that Chris was like that in the very beginning that he had the balls, the chutzpah to just sit there and act like that towards Tony. No, 100%. And Matt, I wrote that in my notes too, that you forget because Christopher gets very respectful of Tony later on in the series. You forget how much of a little asshole Christopher was at the beginning. And he wonders why they won't make him. Like, that's why. Oh, God. Uh, Here we go again with the... Oh, no, not YouTube buffering bullshit again. Oh, fuckers. Okay, so sorry, everybody, if there's any technical difficulties. Hopefully refreshing uh, works and we don't run into similar problems as before. But we're going to keep pushing on because last time the recording was saved, even though we ran into problems. So sorry for any technical difficulties that might be happening with the YouTubes. So, okay, so first off, back to Tony and Meadow. Right off the bat, uh, they start talking a little bit more about, while discussing college and schooling, Tony talks about being a fan of history, including Napoleon and the Roman Empire. It becomes more important later on as Tony is, Tony's love for history and his whole history thing is, becomes a very big part of the series. So then uh, while making a stop at the pit at a gas station to gas up, Tony ends up eyeballing somebody he thinks he recognizes. He's on the phone with Carmela, and it is this guy, Fabian Petrullio. Unfortunately, Fabian kind of recognizes him as well and gives him a kind of look back and forth, and then they speed off, and then Tony ends up calling Christopher, and we find out that he was a former member of the crime family who was busted for peddling heroin 10 years prior. He soon after flipped has brought down a lot of members in their crew. Tony reveals that his father on his deathbed at the time and never fully recovered from the news of Fabian flipping. Christopher insists on being the one that whacks Fabian, but Tony denies him the privilege. Tony wants to be the one that takes him out because he needs to know for sure. And right before this, before he calls Christopher... After he sees him, he yells at Meadow to get in the car, and they speed off. And this is the first time. This is when he follows him and finds and gets the license plate number to call Christopher about. Exactly. And this is a really fun scene that reminds me a lot of the way that they interact, the way that a kid really would interact with their parents here. The way Meadow's like, turn around. No, stop, 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 stop. What are you doing? What's wrong with you? He's like, I'm just playing around. Yeah. Exactly. Just playing around, dear. Just fooling around. Colby, Colby on the left. The left. No. Okay, so back in New Jersey before he calls Christopher, as we mentioned, uh, it, it's really fun the way Christopher kind of just throws the pool cue. And you just, it's Christopher alone in the bing. No one else is around. It's just Christopher alone. And he's answering the phones at the bing. Isn't it a little weird? Where's Silvio? Where, where's Polly? Where are they Any all? Any of them. It's nothing. It's, re- it's really almost bothersome. And uh, that, that it's just Christopher. Wouldn't, you almost would expect that one of the other characters would be in the room. They'd be like, okay, Christopher, leave there. We go somewhere else. I got to talk to you. But that's why they had to leave it with Christopher. Because if anyone else answers the phone, like, they're, they're going to be the ones that end up with this job, you know? Exactly. Well, and- no, they could have just sent Christopher to go answer the phone. but. And uh, Christopher also mentions that's important. It's pouring rain down there. <laughs> okay, so then... 
Then we get up to Carmela was sick in the episode and she can go along to the trip for Maine and Tony and Meadow and AJ, and AJ ends up staying with her and AJ brings her breakfast, poached eggs. And they're not poached eggs at all. It's like a hard boiled egg. Okay, that's what I was going to ask you, Matt. Those weren't poached eggs, right? He did cuz is aren't poaching eggs hard? Not like that. Those they looked like a hard boiled egg is what he brought her. Like it was in a shell, I thought. It it was. It was really weird. I I had a, I wanted to ask you because the I don't know what poached eggs are. I'm, I'm unfamiliar. I've never had poached I don't think eggs. that's what he made. That's why she didn't eat them. That's okay. why she was nice to you like, "Yeah, my uh, my eyes are bigger than my stomach." Okay, I th- I because I was thinking, does AJ even know how to make fucking poached eggs? Of course he doesn't. He's useless. <laughs> he of course he Matt's like of course he doesn't. He's fucking useless. Fuck no. He's and he's how old is he at this point? He's like ten, right? And then they ultimately say to him, "Go home and go over to your friend's house and play yeah, Nintendo." Go to Jason's and get out of here. Get the hell are get the fuck out of here. Okay, so. As it turns out, Father Phil ends up coming to visit her. The priest never gets sick of eating. But we connect to the next scene that's Christopher driving down to the payphone. And Tony calls him. And Christopher's like, oh, motherfucker, how you doing? Uh, how you doing? I got wet shoes. If you didn't want to didn't wanna be in the rain, try out for the Yankees. It's a fu- really awesome line by Tony. And uh, they get into back and forth about who this guy is. Christopher doesn't know him. It was a little before on his – it was a little before his time. And and it's he's really, really sorry about all of this. But he wants to come up there and handle the business, but Tony won't let him get up, come up there. Do you think Tony should have let Christopher come up and help him? No, because originally what he was going to do is have one of the other guys come up and do it because they deserve to do it. And they would have been pissed off if he goes, oh, I ran into so-and-so. Uh, I ran into Fabian Petrillo and I had Christopher come up and do it. He was originally planning on having either Polly or I think it was either Pussy or Yes, Pussy, so pussy or Polly. And I, I do feel they were mildly conspicuous by their accent, but uh, their absence. But maybe it was money thing it may have been like a production the show wasn't quite a success yet so they probably were trying to save some costs by having less of the actors in the episode yeah and they didn't need a minute oh, cuz the episode is complete the way that it is mm-hmm. and it is important that they have Christopher in it so it is and Christopher and i was going to say this to you at the beginning it's important that this episode continuously sets up the fact of our main characters and who are true main characters of the series yeah. And Christopher is one of them. And he's important as important. Gets more important later, but it's important it's that he's in almost he's in most of the episodes especially towards the beginning of the series. Okay, so then Father Phil comes over and we get him that we get a whole big back and forth between the two of them going about the food and about him being uh him is like jonesing for her baked ziti. He's I think jonesing he for her baked ziti. How's Tony's trip going? You think he has a lousy minute to to talk to me? Oh geez. You just get the sense of the relationship that Carmela talks to this guy a lot. We we it gets set up in the pilot, but never fully explored. This is the episode they explore it. Carmela has a very personal relationship with her priest and they don't just they don't just have a, a a religious relationship a spiritual relationship they have a true friendship that they like to hang out read books together talk about deep watch dvds together have yeah, like, all the shit that tony won't do with her you right, know exactly all the shit that he won't do to get do with her so 
so then we go back to Maine with Tony and Meadow enjoying dinner at a fancy restaurant and him getting into the whole, you look, you're so beautiful, so Italian. Oh, dad, Italian, 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 always with the Italian. And she feels very comfortable with Tony and thinks it's okay for her to tell him that she has done meth when around SATs because it helped her stay up late and study with Hunter Skankarello. And I also forgot to mention earlier, Hunter gets referenced that Hunter's dad is a, what is he, a lawyer or something, and, or uh, insurance salesman, so full of shit, some dads, yeah. and I'm not full of shit. And she talks about how her and Hunter did drugs around that time, and Tony immediately snaps in. Are you a dumbass telling me this? Are you fucking dumb? Do you trust in me? I think part of what Tony's saying to her, too, isn't just that he's pissed off about it. He's pissed off that he thought she was smarter than to tell him about this. Right. He's, like, he's almost offended that she told him. And then you get nervous for him, like, oh, my God, did she tell him it's Christopher? Like, I totally had forgotten, and luckily she's smart enough that she doesn't. Right. But. She immediately goes, I'm not going to tell you now. Christopher." I think she's thinking to herself, Christopher is right. Yeah, but Tony also at this point has no idea that his little girl has done anything like this. This is a huge, like, coming of age because she had already referenced when she was looking at school, uh, at the first ba school they were at. What was the first one they were at? Bates. Right. She makes a couple of references to them drinking or partying and stuff like that. And he's like, he's horrified by this. He has no idea she's done any of this. stuff. Right. Her, her line is Bates is the number three best form of contraception. Yeah, exactly. So, and yeah, he's, he's horrified by this. So I think this is a huge, like, it's never the same after this with metal. Cause a, she now knows that he's in the mafia and B he now knows his little girl is like done speed. Exactly, a hundred percent. And it's not just doing it; it's like knowing that she had to go get it from someone, and yeah, like, and whoever that person is, is sketchy. And I think that's the biggest thing too that she's probably that that the issue that she's majorly having here is that, or he's having is where the fuck did my daughter go? Right. How did the? And he said under my nose, like how did I not realize this under my nose is what he says. Yeah, how did you, how did she actually do this? How did she manage yeah. to get it? And she she. Christopher probably did flash through his mind for a second. Like, did she get this from Christopher? Did she get this from anybody? And she probably should have said, Brandon. I got this from Brandon. Right, right. That asshole. Yeah, fuck that guy. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So I'm just trying to mess around with some settings because I know we're not actually streaming live. And if people are watching this later, we apologize for the YouTube fucked up streamness. I am in contact with YouTube support about it. They are aware of the problems that are happening for many people. They don't know how to solve it yet. It's fucking happening. It sucks. So we apologize. And the reason why we're not stopping and starting is because it does save the recording. So I want to just, and we're also recording an audio cast. So I don't want to start this and then restart an event to have it just happen again. So I very much apologize. And if you are watching this after the fact or listening to this after the fact, you're like, I don't care about this. Get back to the fucking Sopranos. But we apologize to the live people that were checking us out live that hopefully are checking this video out later. And please share your thoughts to the Soprano episode. And I also want to mention one more thing. If we continuously have these problems, we may pre-record this or do it in this way. So if the live isn't working, you can always email me comments about the episode beforehand because you guys will know what episode we're going to be talking about to igotissuesman at gmail.com. If you email me your questions, then we can have them beforehand and then talk about them in the show no matter what, whether we get disconnected from the stream or not. Okay, so back to our episode. We... We also get in this situation where she's talking to him about he went to college. He didn't go for long. He had a semester and a half at Seton Hall. Education wasn't that important to his parents. Maybe he should have been selling patio furniture on Route 22. That would have been uh, that would have been a rebel in his family. Yeah. 
He barely got in college. He was into Napoleon uh, the, in the Potsdam Conference. What's the Potsdam? <laughs> yeah, what's the Potsdam Conference? Potsdam if I know. <laughs> and Tony's just one of those guys that's just, he's so dumb, but he's so into it that you can't help. He's charismatic about it. So right. Meadow just was like, oh, this is my special dad. Oh, dad. Oh, dad. And uh, the, the idea at this point that she's a little embarrassed when the other girls come over because she knows he's not that bright. And I think you kind of see that a little bit here, too. Ex I agree with that. And also it tops off the scene before we get into that as as he's ha he's glad that they have that kind of relationship. And to what Matt was saying, it's an important plot point to say that she says you wouldn't know if it was happening behind your back. And he says, I thought I know what was happening behind my back. And she goes, no, you wouldn't know, Dad. You wouldn't know. So, okay, so we get back to the Soprano reference resonance, and it's hard just not to talk about everything in a block rather than jumping back and forth. We're continuously going back and forth between these two things. Well, hold on. Real quickly, they disappear at this point. She goes off for the night, and Tony leaves her. Isn't that right now? It's actually we go back, and that's why I kind of want to talk. Okay. I kind of want right. to, like, this is where this episode's a little different. Let's just get the father Phil and, and Carmela stuff out of the way, then let's talk about the Tony and Meta right. stuff. Let's go through a bunch of the father Phil stuff. Right, right. that's what I'm saying, because ultimately we can get it all out of the way in this time so they end up having dinner eating the ziti and kind of starting to drink wine and really getting into enjoying each other's company so carmela's getting kind of drunk and getting really playful with the priest uh they they he starts making jokes about about uh about like they start talking about jesus comparing jesus to the beetle you know things like that yeah they were, well they, they were talking about uh the last temptation of christ and how it was oh. willem dafoe and willem how she dafoe. says like oh it should have been bought it was supposed to be bobby d oh you're talking to me pilot you're talking to me and father yeah, and they said they're just babbling on about well, about jesus i mean what else do you talk to a priest about i guess but but of course they talk about jesus stuff and then he says the thing about exactly matt you can only talk about that but they talk about movies and stuff eventually and I think you get the feeling in this scene, like Carmela's doing the, oh, my God, I'm hanging out with a doctor. I'm hanging out with a movie star. I'm going to just ask them so many questions about yeah. this over and over again. And he's eating the food, just ignoring her questions like, mm-hmm, yeah, that doesn't make sense. Mm. He's just completely – just out, he doesn't want to talk about this. He doesn't want to talk shop right now, really, when it comes down to it. Doesn't He tries to leave, though, right? Eventually, it leads up to a point where he tries to go, and she says, no, 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 don't go. Where I got a DVD. Let's watch this movie. I know how you like this female actor. I forget the actress he, she mentions. I do, too. I was, I was hoping you wrote that. I, I do have it written down somewhere when I'm scrolling through the notes. I, I'm kind of doing this all by memory instead of actually looking at the notes. But it, it's, uh, it's and she, Emma, Emma Watson, I think it is. All right. Father Phil, I didn't know you watched. Oh, looks like we're back on. Holy crap. T technology has worked itself on out and we're back oh, on you are, the live yeah. stream yeah they were they're we're moving again guys so i think we're just going to keep going when this technical difficulties happen because it seems like the best option is to figure itself out because making a new stream causes all sorts of complications okay so that episode it's just an awkward vibe between the two of them because they they have really awesome chemistry they, the actors work well together, and they have a really fun balance of flirty energy with each other, and it's it's fucked up, but it works for me. And I know a lot of people it doesn't work for, but to me, it's it shows how far Carmelo will go to get a connection with somebody. And 
she really wants the connection. You mentioned this earlier, Matt. I think it's an excellent point. He does all the things with her that Tony won't do. Sit on the couch all night, cuddle, watch a movie, uh, eat some pasta. Watch, what were they watching? Remains of the Day? Is that yeah. what they were watching? Remains of the Day. I mean, Tony would never do that. <laughs> I know. Tony would never do that. Never do that. And never let her cry on him like he eventually, like Father yeah. Phil eventually does. He's a girlfriend to her, but then he – that's the thing. She's doing – he's doing, like, girlfriend stuffy with her, like, where he's a, a girl is what I'm saying, like, stuff you do with your friends. But then that line about, like, when she says, oh, I didn't know you, like, you know, oh, anything with Emma Watson, and she's like – Emma Thompson. Emma, Emma Thompson. And he's like, Father Phil, and she, he's like, oh, is it is it a sin to take in, you know, the eyes of a beautiful woman? And he's saying this while he's looking at Carmella, and she's all, like, kind of blushing about it. Yeah, it's, it's like, super – no get a sunset or something else you know and it, now she knows that like you know he she knows he's not gay at this point exactly and that becomes a plot point later on in the episode and to answer the question of the people checking out live where we are in the review we sort of split this up now we're going back and forth scene to scene but now we're kind of just going to talk about the whole carmella and father phil stuff and get that over with and then go back to the the tony and meadow stuff so, okay, so this all leads up to a climax. Let's just get to it, where Carmella freaks out about everything that Tony's done and feeling really bad about, we talked about this a lot at the beginning already, about accepting all of this, about being a hypocrite. And he gives her confession right there, ends up turning it all religious on her and giving her confession, but still the way he does it is very flirty and probably he would tell you, uh, a weird cut to when he's actually placing it on her tongue was like the most uncomfortable thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like when he's putting the communion on her tongue, he like slows down. Yeah. And then it like cuts really close to her It's a mouth really dirty moment. Okay, that wasn't just me, Matt. It was a really no, dirty. It was, it was creepy. It was porny. It was very pornish. So unsopranos this too, which was weird, but whatever. Yeah, it was it was it was awkward. It was very awkward. And Okay, this leads into both of them kind of passing out on the couch because she's crying to him. And he, she also goes on about Tony, about Tony's indiscretions, and about how sleeps are only. There's a couple other good Carmela lines. She plays the myriad of emotions. It's a really good Carmela episode, even if you don't like the stuff with her and the priest. Her performance is excellent. So ultimately, this leads to both of them passing out on the couch together and her getting a phone call woken up by AJ that is AJ staying over, how, over the house. And then they come face-to-face. She tucks back in on him, and they start to go face-to-face and getting closer, closer, closer for a kiss, closer. And right when they're about to kiss, as Carmela's doing this perfect Carmela thing that she does continuously in the series, and they keep going with it. It's really awesome that she's, she talks when she should— when she shouldn't, and when she's nervous, she just babbles. Oh, yeah, he's staying over a friend's house. You don't know them. Yeah, do you know them? And she just talks when she shouldn't talk. And later on when she gets a boyfriend, when her and Tony are split, she does that similar sort of scene. And I think with, with Furio, there's a similar sort of moment. And with the, uh, with the, uh, that, the, the, contractor. the contractor guy, there's a similar moment. She's just awkward when she talks and she's nervous. It's, it's, very, it's actually really cute. It's very fucking cute. Did you just call Carmela cute? I did. It's it's an appealing quality she has. She get, she gets very the fact that she babbles when she should be hooking up with a guy is an appealing quality. That's what you like the most about Carmela. That's insane. <laughs> oh, it is. It really is insane. So they ultimately get to the point where they almost kiss. And I wonder also if just from a a scientific standpoint that him drinking the sacramental wine, if that is part of what caused no, no, him. No. 
chugged the Sacramento chugged wine. Chugged the Sacramento wine after chugging like normal wine for most oh, yeah. of the evening. And the big ziti. And the big ziti. If indirectly his not or directly, that's what caused him to run to the bathroom and puke. So it it kind of was God that saved him in this moment because once you kiss Carmela Soprano, you're pretty much you're almost fucked because she's going to use it as a bargaining chip on Tony later. And this is where my big problem with Carmela is I think she does all this just so she can throw it back in Tony's face later. She wants to say, fuck you, Tony. I have a, I have a Gumar too. And you're never going to find out who he is. And then Tony's going to eventually find out who you are and fucking like what happened to Furio. You're going to be fucked. Right. And when he shows his face somewhere, he's not only that, but Father Phil would also, I get the impression from him. That he would like have to step down and and like leave the clock. Yeah, he's not. He's not a. He would. He does seem like he would. He cares about it. The contractor guy was hot, says the girls. Yeah, he was very cute. I agree. He was probably the. Oh no, I'm. I guess I'm a Furio. Furio is the most attractive of Carmela's. You thought so? Yeah, I guess. Why am I? I didn't think Furio was hot at all. (laughs) He. I guess Furio had that weird nose. I think Furio's hot in those first in the first episode when he shows up, but he eventually becomes. They make him so much of a butt. Like that kid, don't you? In Italy, I do. That's what you like. I do like when he slaps the kid in Italy. But I think eventually he becomes kind of the butt of a joke a lot of times, and that that ruins attractiveness in some ways. Yeah. He would turn out like uh, Rickley Cricket, and always said, "Yeah, he would." That you don't mess with Tony Soprano's girlfriend. You, you don't. And I think Carmelo probably thinks that Tony wouldn't touch him because he's a priest, but she's wrong. So they right. have an almost kiss. He runs to the bathroom and starts throwing up. And Carmelo- I wish that happened to me a few more times in my life. I could have saved myself some, some terrible decisions. Yeah, if you threw up right at the right time. Me too, man. Yeah. Or if you stayed passed out and didn't wake up and make poor decisions. I agree. We've all made poor decisions in our life because we, because we can handle our alcohol. I was so jealous. I was like, oh, man, I would have loved to have done that. So that's the problem, Matt. We conditioned ourselves to be able to handle our alcohol too much. So I am with a bottle of Captain Morgan sitting on the floor and can handle that. And to quote a show that I'm not sure if you've watched, but I think you'd like How I Met Your Mother. Nothing good. I've seen it, but nothing good happens after 2 a.m. Nope. Nothing good happens after 2 a.m. No good decisions happen. Happened after 2 a.m. Okay, so ultimately this scene, this whole storyline between the two of them ends with Carmela, uh, him waking up the next morning and realizing that he spent th- that his night, his he was there all night. His car was outside. He's very fond of Carmela. Carmela makes the joke that of all the Fanuk priests in the world, I had a. Why did you have to run into my category? Because I mean, why did I have to get the straight one? Right, and kind of a reference to Casablanca and all the gym, gin joints in the, all the world. You had to walk into mine, and she. And again, I have to say, this is a very cute car- way Carmela says that. And he goes, Carmela. And she goes, huh, I'm just joking. The way she said just joking, I found very, very cute. And and I think I'm very fond of you. She, he, ha- he got out of there in the best possible way. He made it seem like he was attracted to her. Has the cover of being a priest to get away from it. Unlike the contractor that just needs to run the fuck away. <laughs> and it's... And always remains in her heart as someone she can't have. So I, I think the priest got out of there scot-free. Well, except for the fact that, like she said, you know, people know that you were here all night. He right. Said, and the fact know, he didn't know at first. He asked her, did I do anything I need to like leave the cloth over? Good point. Right? Good point. He did not. He did not actually know what he did. Okay. Oh, one other thing we left out of this, though, that did happen in the middle of this, which egged on their, her wanting him to stay. 
is that Melfi called in the middle oh, of this. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Matt. I had this at the end, but you're right. The one thing to mention that kind of egged on the her bitching about my only my only time I like myself is in sleep was in that scene where she is, where Milfi calls to cancel the appointment. Milfi is sick. I forgot that she makes an appearance as well. And surprise, like, who is this? Are you her secretary? Tony's therapist? Sec no. Oh, could you take a message? Please take a message. Oh, I'll take a fucking message. Oh, okay. Uh, can you leave a message? Yeah. Where I forgot my pen. I, I left it up his ass. <laughs> yeah. And like mean to Melfi for no reason. Like she did nothing wrong. Here. Like she's just some sick woman on the phone. Back. Everyone she's has the flu in this. And he even asks Guma if she has the flu. But. And I love the look on on uh, Melfi's face through this whole scene, thinking, "Tony, wow, he really doesn't get a break with women. He really doesn't. Like he's not kidding." Car with uh, Carmel is horrible. And uh, Carmel later apologizes for this, but it but it's but it is interesting. So some of this stuff with Father Phil. So she's really at that point pissed at Tony, knows he's lying, even though he's off being nice and bringing, you know, bringing Meadow around to see the colleges. She's this gives her every license in the world to be pissed at him and to almost, you know, I don't know if this whole thing happens with with Monsignor Jughead. If uh... <laughs> I just I with I agree it, with this, it sets her off in another motion because why would he lie? It justifies to it in her own in her own mind, you know. Mm -hmm. Unless he's trying to fuck her, why is right. he doing? Nothing? Why would he lie about this it's unless he was trying to fuck him? <laughs> exactly. Why would he? Why would he lie about this? And and to be and to Father Incontola's excuse me, Monsignor Jughead's defense, he doesn't try to throw Tony under the bus here. Really, he just kind of. He's just like, oh, you don't understand the situation, blah, 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 blah. He continuously, because of his, because of the religious aspects, is no divorce, no divorce, anything to make the marriage work. Joe Dirty Locks, welcome to the chat, Joe. What's up, Joe Dirty Locks? Where is he? Oh, I can't see him, can I? I'm like an old man with my technology. Oh, where is he? I can't see him. Where is that? Where is that Dirty Locks? Hi, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> okay, so. So any we get into eventually Tony Matt mentioned this before. So is there anything else we should talk about with the Tony and I think that's it. He walks away. He's kind of scared of what people might say about it. But then and then AJ comes home and at that point there he's like, "All right, well I'm caught at least. I'm not getting out of here completely free." So. Exactly. I'm not getting out of scot free. But I think that we pretty much covered everything in that scene. Yeah. So okay, back to the college aspect of it because I think this episode and there's some soprano episodes where we will cover like this. Some will go chronologically with what happens. But I think this is a good one that we can just kind of go section by section. Our next big section is Tony at the bar. Uh, Meadow comes over with with all of her with a couple of groups of friends from Colby. She met some students that attend Colby. Tony tells Meadow she should hang with them for a little while if she wants. He adds that she could that she could learn about the college, and the girls are like, "Yeah, we love to dish on the school," and just no drinks. Stick to cokes, girls. And I agree with what you were saying earlier, Matt, that Meadow comes off like she's embarrassed by Tony in this situation. But I think it's the opposite in the sense that if any kids have had cool parents, so to speak, quote unquote, cool parents, you always think your parents are being obnoxious. When sometimes your friends think it's always better on the other side of the pillow. You, what, you, what you don't have is always better than what you do have. People come meet my mother like, oh, she's awesome. Your mom's a cool person. I love him. I'm like, fuck my, you know, fuck my mom. She's annoying. She embarrasses me. The people that you think are embarrassing, sometimes what you find embarrassing is charismatic to other people, but because you see it every day, it becomes embarrassing to you. Right. And it, particularly in this case here, where most people think it's amazing that they're, that's like the coolest thing in the world, that their dad's like 
and the friggin' mafia, you know? Oh, gosh. Josie, the, the Meadow goes to college with Tony. Love it. Fucking rat. Fuck. I, uh, Meadow and Tony <laughs> in this episode. She's super embarrassed. Yeah, I agree, Joe. She, she is. She's super embarrassed by Tony being, being Tony. Tony, which is somebody that we're led to believe on the show. And I know it's some people's thing that they have trouble accepting on The Sopranos. But we're led to believe on The Sopranos that Tony is the type of guy that could probably get any girl he wanted with effort. So yeah, even I, these... I never buy that, but yeah, he can. But he can. So he's flirting with these college girls in a sense. He's smiling at them. He's giving them the Tony charm. Okay, ladies, you blah, blah, blah. And, and, and Meadow is... Ew, Dad, you're flirting with college girls. But Tony and I don't think she's quite thinking about it that way. But Joe he, loves that, by the way. That's Joe's move. Yeah, yeah. Joe is Joe. Joe Tony Soprano's Joe's hero for those aspects. <laughs> <laughs> Dirty Locks is like notes on that Tony Soprano. <laughs> okay, so so we also go back to New Jersey. The rain's still coming up. Tony gives Chris. Tony gives uh, Chris. He must have told Chris before to call him back that night at ten. He did. We we kind of skipped over to that. Run the license plate number and find out if that was the guy or not, and get back to him. <laughs> Joe says, "Hell yeah, everyone loves the mobster dad of the hot chicks." <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, and and I I think that there's something, and I agree with you, Matt. It's hard to I once. I've heard someone once describe it. I forget who it was. It might even have been on an episode where they kind of make reference to it of an episode where Christopher calls him Fred Flintstone or something, where it's like Fred Flintstone grabbing a little girl or something. It's it's hard to take it, especially when we get into some of the Gloria stuff. We're seeing Tony with Gloria or with with uh, Christopher's Christopher's hippie girl from Vegas later on in the series. It's, right, right. it's a little awkward seeing seeing in that those kinds of situations, Tony. So, okay, so back in New Jersey, Christopher answers the phone. He tells him about, about the guy. They go back and forth. Christopher says he should, he should book a flight. He's going to book a flight, fly to Boston, get this all done himself. And he goes, no, no, no. This is, uh, this is my thing. And we also get back and forth about how he's going to – remember that guy? He was in jail. Jackie knew him really well. He carved a stump of Frank Sinatra for, for him and put it in his office. And I Chris, thought it was Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, he needs, to, he needs to work on that. <laughs> a little awkward <laughs> and uh girl stick to cokes and he goes maybe i'll call Polly or pussy but what i can't do it don't be sensitive they had a friend jimmy die in prison on the account of this scumbag okay fuck i gotta do my homework and positively id this guy i thought you said it was him i haven't seen him in a long time i i don't know and i have to be sure is that i think that's when christopher says i'm your soldier i'm like, your soldier anthony we've talked about this before i'm your soldier anthony you need to let me do this and, and christopher also knows and he says this either here or later on that if he does this he goes and kills a rat right that like his cost other people's lives in jail time he's going to get made at this point christopher is still dying to do anything to get himself made and this would be a huge huge step in that direction for him absolutely and just want to let anybody know if whenever you're listening to this you can always call or text 781-990-8509 if you want to share your thoughts on the show if you happen to be checking out this live you can always call in live and share your thoughts even if your name is joe so yeah there aren't so many father-daughter moments in this show so this is a great episode and i feel like especially as the series i agree with that joe especially as the series goes on they they become less and less it's more of a factor in the early part of the series so, okay, so then we, we the Carmela and Father and Contola scene, as I scroll through that. Tony goes and starts looking at his house because he gets the license from Christopher, and he shows up behind uh, 
I think that's the next thing, right? Is right. And Joe to... also added that Christopher says, I'm a cunt. If I do this, I'm a cunt hair away from being made. Yeah. And it's also worth only me- the second best reference of the word cunt in this show. Yes. Well, not this episode, but overall in the Sopranos. The, the first one is junior. Best one's coming up. Well, yeah. It's not yeah. yeah. The first best one's junior. And I'll have that quote. You bet. You bet to fucking believe it. I'll, I'll be playing that quote on the air. And okay. I just want to mention this, this next scene when Tony is, they're playing a game of cat and mouse to, Tony tracks him down to his house and kind of sees sees a very kind of spies on him. We get a voice over someone saying, Mommy, mommy, like that. And it's obviously an adult doing a kid's voice, like, Mommy, mommy. And it reminded me of the movie Summer Rental with John Candy when you have the little girl say, I'm gonna stay in the basement with Orko. It was and it's just like a horrible overdub of of a little kid's voice because they probably couldn't get the little kid to say the line right. So they ended up just having an adult go, Oh my goodness. It's just really fake if you listen because I listened watched the episode a couple of times. It stood out to me. It's it's really a bad overdub of a kid's voice. So Tony ends up seeing seeing him and getting away just in time. And this guy ends up getting on his case, too, and realizing that Tony is following he him. Here's his dog start barking and here's like a rustle or something like that. Exactly. So he knows that there's someone following him. Exactly. So we continue down, and the next day, oh, I'm just looking at the line uh, of Carmela and Tony. You know what's remarkable? You take everything Jesus said, it only adds up to two hours of talk. No, wait, but I heard the same thing about the Beatles. Right, right. <laughs> it's just. Add up all their stuff, it's only 10 hours. It's only 10 and then hours. It's like an awkward response from the priest afterwards. And uh, Joe Dirty Lux has made me think he was already on to Tony. I think he was. I think we're supposed to believe that he kind of recognize Tony at the gas station at the beginning so he was already kind of in the mindset that something might happen and when you're probably just hoping to God it hasn't happened though and I it's not happening Matt mentioned this before mistakes that we've made all three of us in our own life uh, you all of us that are listening to this but specifically talking about people I know we've all made mistakes and had to lie to people for extended periods of time and you're always thinking that the next day may be the day where that lie gets fucked up and it must be that to the billionth degree when you're in the mafia and you yeah. rat because you think and you get and then you get kicked out of witness protection and then, exactly Matt, i forgot about that part that you and you get kicked out of witness protection so you're completely on your own you are thinking any day that person's gonna fucking tell the person and your lie is gonna be fucking fucked and you're gonna be in disaster area and in this situation and you're gonna be dead so you're probably never rest you never think you're all right Ne- yeah, Joe says, never. <laughs> and that was him trying to make the fake voice. <laughs> Always looking over your shoulder. Absolutely. So Tony and Fabian play the game of cat and mouse. Uh, Tony tracks him down, and they get a very close call. I forgot to mention this, too. Fabian ends up turning the tables, going to the hotel where he thought he saw the car turn off into. This is how he knows where to go in the hotel. And goes and kind of scouts out Tony, who eventually gets connected back with Meadow, who's shit-faced drunk. And too many tequila shooters. And Tony kind of helps her back into the hotel room. While at the same time, uh, right before this, Petrulio sees the name on the the maid's list of hotel rooms that she's cleaning. Yeah. Does this ever happen? She's not, she's not even 100%. He's not even 100% sure it's Tony until right. he go, goes and sees the names. But quick question. Is this a 90s thing that this used to happen in the 90s? Would names of people ever be 
left on i mean do they do the do the maids someone that has actually cleaned hotel rooms for a living can share if they anyone watches this that yeah, do we have anyone on here that used to clean hotel motel motel like skeezy motel rooms in the 90s on here would skeezy they hotel. have the name of the people that are staying in the skeezy motel up in maine i don't think so i don't think the maid would have that information on a clipboard hanging outside they'd have room number two possibly they would i could be incorrect Maybe if it's only owned by like one person, they do the cleaning too. They might have it, but I don't know. Mick Dicker says, again, I love your name, Mick Dicker, so much. His biggest mistake was staying in the Northeast. He should have moved south. I kind of agree, especially having done the cross-country thing. And when you go through some of those parts of the Midwest, that when it's just desert land after desert land, I'd probably, if I was ever hiding, and I shouldn't say this on a, I'm hoping never going to be hiding, but if I'm ever hiding, I'd probably be in a trailer in the middle of the desert somewhere where you could just see everything coming from miles away. Granted, it's probably difficult to get away from that, but you're so out in nowhere that no one would ever find you. No mafia guys would be. The guy had like a decent looking house and stuff, and they said that he made a lot of money from touring around. Yeah, he was like touring around doing. So why don't you go get plastic surgery or something too? Yeah, you're an idiot. I mean, this guy was asking for it. Asking for it. So, so okay, so they begin the kind of most game. Fabian spots Tony's daughter, decides not to go through with it. He figures it's just a he cool. also. But before that, he also had been scoping around the town, like asking his car mechanic if anyone had been asking Anybody for been him. Anybody asking, asking people at the bar. If anyone had been looking for him. We actually see. And Andy's carrying a gun now. He's carrying a gun with him in this car. You see that, that he has it like under a newspaper or something. And we see, when he's going to the bars, we see uh, Meadow in the background of a scene. Okay, and then we get to the point where he's going to shoot shoot them and we're like pointing at their pointing at them with the gun the first time i saw this i was actually scared for meadow i thought they might kill meadow in this situation i mean the very first time i saw this episode and it's just aj and it's just, oh my god imagine if it was aj that would have been so great if it, if it deflected off something and hit aj oh so, if they killed it aj i thought we're like if they kill meadow then you're stuck with just aj afterwards but yeah they should have killed aj right there <laughs> what so it, it's just it was very do you think that <laughs> Ren? Do you think that he made a mistake by not killing Tony here, or do you think Tony's right in the end? I think ultimately this whole interaction between the two of them is supposed to symbolize that this guy is past it, and Tony is the now. It's like the the like Kobe Bryant trying to play basketball now. This guy is should be retired from the game, and that's why Tony plays him essentially so well. Uh, who? The, what do you mean? The Fabian. Guy? Fabian. Do you think Fabian should have taken the shot? Should no, he? Have... See, I, see, I thought this was weird at the end when he said this. Does he not shoot him because that other couple's right there and he doesn't no. want to get caught? No. I think he ultimately makes the decision. Okay, there are two, th- there are many factors here because ultimately he shoots him here. There's a couple more cat and mouse games. We'll get to the scene with Tony and actually finds him but this guy tries it in a later scene once he says sees the name oh no we'll talk about that afterwards because in this situation he tries to pull the trigger and he's trying to shoot them i don't think he does doesn't do it because of the other couple i think he does it because he's lost his nerve because he's been out of it so much and he can't he can't think to hurt a child so he doesn't have the balls to do it which is why to talk about the next scene which is why he eventually goes to the tweaker couple that he's selling drugs to to try to get them to do it because he still wants tony dead he just doesn't want to be the one to do it so i think he just part of i was thinking like all right maybe he doesn't want to like get caught because it'll be but he's also paying the tweakers so like he's right so he still wants them to die i think it's partly that and partly what tony says to him later where he goes wise guys never lose the game because if you kill me then all my wise guy friends come up there and go what happened to tony and they start investigating the area 
as, but you, you but you have the tweakers do it just to argue the other side of it. You have the tweakers do it. It can look more like a random occurrence. If you just have Tony shot by somebody, by a mafia guy, he's probably thinking the tweakers are dumb enough that they're going to get bust. You know, they're right. going to get caught or something like that. And, so, and there's a rule, no women and no children. So he thought about that as, as well in the mafia. So there's no family. That's, that's considered right. bad form. There is that yeah, as well. Yeah, it's always turning rat, though. So, I mean, it's not like it's beneath them to do that. Fair enough. He, exactly. You're breaking one big rule. It's not, it's not that far to think that he might want to break another, another, quick, another big rule like that. Okay. So... We then, after all of this, this ultimately leads to Tony going to a payphone, walking through the streets in the middle of the night. It's a really cool noir sort of thing with Tony walking the streets in Maine with a cigar. With a cigar. Awesome visual. Great, great cinematography in this episode. And I can see, again, why we're going to get to the fact that this was the first Soprano episode to really win awards. It, it's really an excellently put together episode from that standpoint. And the counterpoint back and, and forth. again at the time, thirteen years ago, what the hell else was doing stuff like that? Nothing, nothing. nothing. And, and it's worth mentioning as we'll get to the scene that we're leading up to the violence in the scene compared to later on Sopranos, even later on when someone garrotes someone, chokes someone out, it become it's almost comical in this sense, not comical in this scene. But Tony is he talks to him. The guy has the thing around his neck, but he can still talk or something. And whereas later there's a scene where a character does that. I think it's uh, I think it's I forget who does it. It might where it's a it's Polly that does it to somebody where it's a really and it's an old woman and it's like really graphic. It's so Polly. It's so Polly. He can't just do it simply. So so it's kind of done in a more of a tongue in cheek, not tongue in cheek, more of a 90s mafia way rather than the realism that we get on shows like like Breaking Bad later or later Sopranos even. It was a little bit more sensationalized than later things become. Um, yeah, Matt, uh, Joe says, that's why it goes to what Phil said about dumbass poking around the small town of Maine. It's also just as because the fucking rat. Silvio does it. Oh, it's Silvio. Thank you, McDicker. It's Silvio that does it, someone. And, uh, and absolutely so. Tony's walking the streets of Maine, smoking a cigar. Tony arrives at a payphone, looks inside the payphone, eventually finds the, where he works. Then we go back to the restaurant. We see Petrullio at the restaurant, as we mentioned. Tony arrives at the travel agency that this guy is. He sees the stump of, is it John F. Kennedy that he sees? No, it's Ronald Reagan. Whatever it is, he has big lips. And he has big you. lips, so he knows, hello, hello, rat. Yeah. And pokes his finger there. And then we go to back. Oh, we go back and forth to Father and Conto. Then back in Maine, Tony arrives back at the hotel with Meadow, which we already talked about. The next morning comes on, and Tony goes to drop her off at the school. And she's and she's like, "Are you coming in?" He's like, "No, no, no, no. I left my watch at the at the hotel." And he kind of just uses the fact that she was drunk and she made mistakes. She made a mistake that ultimately to be like, you don't remember what happened. Why were you out at the payphone last night talking to Christopher? I wasn't out on the payphone last night talking to Christopher. You're drunk. You don't, you, right. you can't. And that's just a master manipulator. And there's lots of stuff that Tony does after the fact with Meadow. He throws this whole, like, we're honest with each other shit out the window, like, immediately by the end of this episode. Like, he just lie on top of lie on top of lie And on top he of does it in that way, Matt, that he's such a practice liar. He does it without hesitation. Yeah. And he gives you the extreme details about a lie. A good lie 
fire will give you such I went to get my watch. My watch wasn't there. I went back over here. You didn't know what happened. Like the way he describes it, it's he believes his bullshit. Tony, more than any other asshole in the world, believes yeah. his lies so much. He, he lives into these. The Nick Gordon school of uh, the hundred percent, dude. It's hundred percent the way he manipulates his mind. The way is the same yeah. way Nick in, is Nick in high school, prime Nick, crazy yeah. manipulating person, and not even thinking about it. And everything is a level of everything else. Hundred percent, hundred percent. As as I'm sure Joe will agree, attest to that as well. Or thinking as I was describing that, Joe, Phil, you know that kind of manipulated mind. Yeah. You sound like you know that manipulated mind pretty well. And I'm kind of like that too. I think at some points, I I can understand that. I can. It's it's Tony is such a practice liar and manipulator. It's incredible. Okay, a garrote also slices through the throat. Interesting. Thank you for thank you for the information. And I think later on, when Silvio does that, we see the slice through the throat. Ugh. One of the ways I would not want to go. Holy shit! Okay. Yeah, but you wouldn't mind if it was Silvio. Yeah, yeah. He smell. I bet Silvio smells really good. Yeah. Wouldn't you bet Silvio? Like out of all the Soprano guys, like cognac and like a nice cologne or something. Yeah, a yeah. nice cologne, like a really nice cologne. A little bit of air gel. Yeah, you could just sit in his lap. Like he'd be a good. I know they later it becomes someone else, but he, you know, good Santa. You sit on Silvio's lap, ask him for the Bruce Springsteen tour. Yeah, better for, than what's his name was. Better than friggin' Bobby Bacala. Bobby, Bobby Bacala was. That was a fucking worst center ever. <laughs> okay, so ultimately we kind of over talked. We get the Petrullio scene where. Where Tony is, where where he tries to get Tony Tony killed by somebody else. But ultimately, Tony, the next morning, leaves. Tony and Meadow leave their hotel for Colby. Tony asks Mo- Meadow if she wants to stop and get a beer. Meadow says no. And from that point, we see Petrullio spying on Tony through a pair of binoculars. We see Stony, Tony drive off. Then it all culminates. I think we basically talked about everything else. It all culminates to this guy thinking at his house, thinking he hears something. And he goes outside. And Tony sneaks up behind him. No, it's not the house. This is at the at the. Oh, at the travel place. agency. Yes, at the travel One agency. One of the we, just before we finish this off here, Christopher had said, "Let me come up right now." And Tony said, "I have to do this because he knows I'm here. He may get. He's going to go on the lamb at any minute now. So that's why Tony. Right. That's why decides. it's so important. Very good point, Matt. And he wasn't going to do this. He was going to have Silvio or Polly come up and do it, or whoever it was. But he knows now that like he has to do this now, or the guy's going to take off on him. Ren says Silvio wears axe for men, like a really warm smelling axe for men. <laughs> <laughs> so, t- so ultimately, in this scene, it's a cool setup. We see some animals. Tony actually, after he kills him, sees ducks too, which is important to mention. Tony jumps out from behind the trailer, wraps the cord around Petrullio neck gets into this as he's looking at like a baby deer right in front of him right absolutely you took in good morning rat i'm gonna read this entire quote who are you what is this don't make me laugh you pimp you fuck teddy teddy it's tony it's tony you fuck you know how much trouble you are in now you took an oath and you broke it could have killed you last night outside the motel. Your daughter was drunk, remember? I was there in the parking lot. I had a gun, but I didn't do it because of her. I told myself, it's just a coincidence he's taking his little girl to college. One thing about us wise guys, the hustle never ends. You shoot me in that motel, your life would have been flushed down the piss of dew. Please, Tony, I'm begging you. Jimmy says hello from hell, you fuck. And in this moment, we see the true mobster that's Tony Soprano after only five episodes. We finally see Tony whack someone for the first time. and In a graphic, personal, like intimate way that he does it too. Yeah, it's really. He's hurting himself. He hurts himself. He cuts the shit out of his hands. It's really fucking sick. It is crazy. 
Gorgeous piece of cools. Yes, it is, Tony. It's a... <laughs> Sorry, I had that one. I don't have. It's hard to find quotes for the episodes, but I have a lot of Tony quotes on on uh on it's on it's good. Okay, so I'm sorry. I gotta relax. Yeah, I gotta relax, Tony. I'm sorry. I got I, I got a little excited there. I gotta I gotta relax. Thanks, but thanks, buddy. Okay, so so Tony returns to pick up Meadow from college, and Meadow immediately. Well, he does. He does see the ducks right after. Right, he does it's see great. the ducks after, which is and, and another like you said, great shot. Like the shot is then up in the sky and it pans out away from Tony and he's standing down in the woods in the middle of Maine looking up at the ducks who are flying overhead in like a V formation. Right. And and those were the, those are where the ducks went, Matt. Those are the ducks. So he gets into, he picks up her at this college. We get a feeling she's been waiting for a while and uh, she's, where you been? I went back to the motel. This is what we mean with the manipulation. I went back to the motel. They didn't have the watch so I went to the restaurant. The restaurant was closed. I had to wait for them to open. Restaurant had my watch. Here we go. I went into the back door. That, well, how do you get mud in your shoes? Oh, I went in the back the, door. The, puddles. 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 What? 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 And You're, then he says, oh, it's stupid. I don't know why I did I, it. It's stupid. Yeah, he just keeps going with it. And she's like, Dad, are you lying to me? He goes, you better stop or you're going to hurt my feelings. That's such no, – and I know he sometimes listens. We love you to death. That's such a Nick thing right there where he's just like, stop or you're going to hurt my feelings while he's lying to you. Like, he makes you feel guilty for calling him out on his lie. And right. to- Tony totally does that right here. He's like, you know, you're going to hurt my feelings, Meadow. Come on. Uh, what, what happened to your hand? I cut it on the screen door. Cut it on the screen door. Yep, I did. You were on the payphone at 1 in the morning. Excuse me, Miss Jose Cuerfa? You can't yeah. be trusted. Uh, you saw pink elephants last night. Dad, are you being honest with me? Pretty sure you, you, uh, you're going to start hurting my feelings. We have that kind of relationship. That's right. We do or we don't. Takes two to tango, he says. It's just a really funny line. It takes two to tango, tango. And then we go into the the room of which he is. He ends up bringing her into the next college. And we see, I'm sorry, I lost my place in my notes. And we see from Tony's perspective as she gets called in, Miss Soprano, shall we talk about your future? And there is something, there is a quote that Tony looks at. And I'm going to scroll up. I have that written up. No, I got it right here. Oh, re- so. yeah, go for it, Matt. Yeah, no man. So he's at the college. He's sitting outside on the bench by himself. Another great shot. And he looks up and over the top of the door where she went in, it says, no man can wear one face to himself and another to the multitude without finally getting bewildered as to which may be true. So is and that... Fla- so so my question for that is because I'm not... I ain't no English major, Matt. That's basically saying uh, it's talking about being duplicitous, right? Yeah, I mean, it's essentially like it ties up the whole episode of him lying to her and putting on this whole face to her of being the family man. I mean, it sums up the whole Sopranos, him being the family man, trying to be that or trying to tell himself who he is and then being someone else to the entire rest of the world. He's eventually going to, you know, not know what the difference is between who he really is at that point, especially if he's faking it, which is what we talked about with. You know, our friend, the liar and other people, too, where who is the real you at that point? You'll eventually confuse yourself. Absolutely. Why don't you kick me in the fucking head? Yeah, we will. (laughs) (laughs) And it's Nathaniel Hawthorne is who the quotes by. Yeah. And and some kid walks right by him and goes, that's our most famous. Yeah. Most famous alumnus. So, so sorry. I'm, I'm struggling for. I'm like back and forth. Deep shit, guys. Yes, guess we are in some deep shit in this episode. It is a deep. I mean, everything with Tony and everything. I think the Sopranos is, or at least wants to. And I think you're right, Matt. I think that's a perfect 
description from beginning to end of of the Sopranos and the description of Tony as a person. This parallel between being a good family man and then his other life and being a good family man. And it's something that's very important, very evident in the Sopranos. Really cool stuff. And like it says, it's like who he even is to himself. Like if Tony sits back and tries to reflect on who he is, what he does through the whole show, you know, he doesn't know. Okay, so Tony returns to pick up the meadow. This episode marks the first time in the episode that we never get a Tony and Melfi scene, uh, though she does appear briefly in the episode with uh, with Carmela. Okay, so Tony and Meadow eventually return to the home in New Jersey. Carmela reveals to Tony that, and I'm going to get the lines here in a second, reveals to Tony that Father Phil spent the night. They get a really awesome exchange between the two of them. This is to- this is Tony and Carmela at their best. Uh, I she just says he goes. Is there a little? Here we go. I'm going to read the quote and then we'll talk about it. Yeah, uh, you sound a little nasally, but you look better. Any cool cold pasta? There was some ziti, but it all got eaten. The whole tray and Tony's pissed off. You don't mess with Tony's food. You almost want to mess with this girl before his food. From last Sunday, oh, Monsignor Jughead was here. If you're referring to Father Incatola, yes, he was. He spent the night. The priest spent the night here? What happened? Where was, uh, where was Anthony? He spent the night over to Jason's house. The priest spent the night. Nothing happened. You're telling me this because you want to hear something. His car was, you might hear something. His car was out at night. This is too fucked up for me to even think about, he says. Would you guys play for 12 hours? Name that Pope? <laughs> and then she gets in he gave me communion blah blah blah, blah. And he goes he goes i she goes you think i'm lying i don't know but this whole thing sounds like it and tony goes well well he's gay right and and that's it because if not i have to question what i'm hearing and he kind of puts carmelo to the spot where carmelo is like a little up against it where he's like listen i'm not cool with this and she turns it right the fuck around on him and goes oh by the way your therapist called Jennifer, and she just storms out of there, and it ends very comically with Tony chasing after her and kind of yeah. run, running into her. Camilla, Camilla, it's just therapy. It's just therapy. Family man, like mobster, like Pablo Escobar. That's very good uh, 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 comparison. I was gonna, I was gonna say analogy, but it's a, but it's not an analogy. But there's a very good comparison. Uh, between the two, and especially seeing Narcos and seeing how he lives his life and all of that. It's very. Very, very, very good. Very, Tony is exactly that type of man. I would say that Tony cares a little less about his family. He's a little bit more self-absorbed into his other family life, where I think Pablo, in a lot of ways, really did care about his family. You really think that? No. (laughs) No, I don't. I honestly don't. I think they're both horrible people. I think they're both. No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying you think, I'm I'm more shocked about what you said about Tony. You think at the end of the day, if he had to choose between Mafia Carmella like and the kids and or, yes, I think he would choose Sylvia the, and Polly. He takes Sylvia and Polly. I think because he feels like he took an oath. I think he would. He would, and I could be wrong here. Over Meadow Soprano, I mean over Carmela. Sure, I get it, but over Carm over over him and him and AJ. I think because it's something that takes precedent over your family. You know, when you get into this thing of ours, I don't think he would rat to protect his family. I think if if one of his if one of his members of his family I think he'd sell out his family if if he got a mark on his family or something like that I I quote the Tony Blundetto situation he loved Tony as much as he loved his kids in Carmela I believe and he still killed Tony. You're right. So let's say AJ had gone in like if AJ had actually killed Junior or something like that like what happens there? You know what I mean? I don't know. 
I think I think Tony fucking Maybe not Junior, but someone that he still cares about at that point. He hated Junior at that point because he had tried to kill him. <laughs> Q Arrested Development music. <laughs> Family. <laughs> Narcos never seen Arrested Development. Uh, good comedy, but comedy is subjective, so it's it's uh, it's hard for to suggest comedies. I could just say I find it really funny, especially the first two seasons of it. Okay, you know what the hardest movie in the world for me to suggest to people is, and I don't recommend it, is uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Have you ever seen that? Oh yeah, I love that movie. Uh, but I can't recommend that to people because there are so many people that would have no use for that whatsoever. So I'm like, Con- if you're going to love that movie, you're going to hate it. Two things in the I world- loved it, but I won't tell anyone else to see it. I would say above music, which some people argue sometimes, but I think you can say what good music and bad music is. You can say, I like this better, but it's hard to deny what really good music is. Right. I, I think that comedy is probably the most subjective thing we have in the world because some people you can't tell someone that's fucking funny i don't care if it's comedian dell'arte or the importance of being earnest like british beat comedy or david mamet shit like you can't tell someone something's funny just from the text of it or just from the way something's written it's delivery and it's individual because everybody finds different things funny to me tony people watch two broke girls and laugh and laugh they like that it's it's horrible dude it's the worst show i've ever seen in my life it makes two and a half men look amazing it's and yet people watch and people whatever let's get let's get i don't want to talk about yeah no no that's okay and and that's basically the end of our episode let's get into a couple of our fun facts of about the episode uh it is ranked number two on TV Guide's 100 Greatest TV Episodes of All Time. How do you feel about that, Matt? I, I think it's, I killed. It's not on my top five Sopranos episodes of all time. I don't know. I know. It's weird, isn't it? I, I mean, I would— When was that list made? That's my only question. Because if this was early on in The Sopranos, a lot of shit would have made it to the top that wouldn't have later Good on. point. I, can't, I, can't, I will check those facts. It's on the IMDb— fu- uh, list so there's probably some ways to find the information where it's credited but it's also fan posted stuff but i've seen that said in a couple of different areas i think it's probably of all time i wonder when when did tv guide stop existing it still exists it doesn't does it still exist does the magazine yeah, itself it's more for like the story and like people like collect it and shit i don't think it. You know, sam just... asked that question that you asked that when is that list when is that list i'm guessing that list was early 2000s that's got to be pre-Breaking Bad and pre-all these other shows that people watch now because you can't, I mean. So at the time that that came out, it was ranked number two sure. as the TV guys. HBO executives were initially opposed to Tony Soprano murdering someone because they felt it would make him an unlikable character. Producer David Chase convinced them that the audience understood that Tony is a mobster with his own sense of ethics. Now, David Chase has also described this as the ultimate Soprano episode, and both he and co-writer James Manos Jr. won Emmy Awards for this script. And also this performance, Carmela, in this episode, Edie Falco, won her first Emmy for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Drama Series, and co-stars James Gandolfini and Jamie Lynn Singler also agreed that this was one of their favorite shows in the entire series. Do we th- you think we're overselling this episode? I mean, not me. I'm not overselling. But do you think do you think this is a little overdone for this episode? Do you think it's over? Do you think this is an overrated Soprano episode, Matt? No, it's fine. I guess. Is it the? But it's yeah, not. It's overrated. Sure. Where does it? Ra- so if we're doing our season rankings, I can't listen. Junior Soprano is incredible. All those other characters are so incredible. I don't. But having said that, like, I love Pine Barrens, and that's really just the story of those two dipshits in the woods. 
So I don't know. So you can't have a Soprano episode. No, that's uh, be, not true. No, what basically. I'm saying is you can't have a Soprano episode be your favorite episode if Junior's not in it. And Pussy and Paul. No, I'm not saying that. But are you really going to tell me that the best episode of Sopranos you ever saw was Carmelo almost fuck a priest and totally <laughs> look at colleges with his daughter? There we Is go. That the best episode Let's get ever? to it. That's what I wanted to get to, Matt. <laughs> you got you got to the heart of it. I, that's where I wanted to get you. In my opinion, this is my second favorite episode of the season so far, says Sam. Where does this rank? Is this your second or third favorite episode of the season, Matt? Or is this your okay, least favorite? Obviously, it's my least favorite. Well, we have issues on the other two. Uh, right. I like this. It is so well written, though. That's the thing. But it's just not. There's something that makes it. Okay. You know how we said the last episode really felt like The Sopranos? Mm -hmm. The second episode really felt like The Sopranos. Third episode kind of wasn't. The fourth episode, we're like, wow, now we're really in the Cooking, yeah. That's why it was my favorite. Hot Adriana, all that yeah. stuff. It's like we go completely sideways at this point, and it doesn't feel like The Sopranos anymore. So I don't know. Sa um, Sam said, oh, the so wood. Hard. Uh, Ren says the woods pine barrens is her favorite uh, of whole one. And for this episode, Sam, uh, Ren said that. And Sam says only being close uh, second to the second one of the season. The the woods one is pine barrens in season three that we will eventually get to, yeah. which some could argue is the best. Yeah, which is considered by and also I, I think that's kind of the reason that one was directed, I believe, by Buscemi. Which it was directed by Buscemi. Let him on the show. You it know, was. You make that. It's like okay, I guess you get the Sopranos. And it's the argument. It's the answer to the argument argument that some people make that this is the best standalone episode of the sopranos that uh that up until this point okay so the quote we already talked about the quote a lot all of the scenes take place in maine were actually filmed in rural new jersey the scenes taking place in maine's Bowdoin college were filmed at drew university in madison new jersey this is only the this only episode of the first 10 in season one in which a Jewish character or subplot of significant references to Jews is not included. Although one mob affiliated Jewish character, Hesh, appears in in over 28 episodes, a major mention or even asides about Judaism is later episodes of The Sopranos are much more restrained than in the first season. I don't know. Why the hell is that even a fun fact? Seriously. Sorry. And I'm just reading stuff. I didn't come up with these. So I apologize for that. This was the first of 12 Soprano episodes directed by Alan Coulter, who served as the series as the most frequent producer as well. There's a frequent reference in the series to certain animals, pets, especially Tony's fascination with ducks. In present in this episode, immediately after Tony kills the mafia turncoat, Fred, he looks up and sees a flocks of bird geese flying off in formation. Also, this was the distraction of the deer, as Matt mentioned earlier, that enabled Tony to sneak up on his prey. Some of the best quotes in this episode, Tony, you chose this life. You don't want to work in the rain, try out for the fucking Yankees. I'm in waste management business. Everyone immediately assumes you're mobbed up, a stereotype, and it's offensive. I thought therapy was going to clear up this fucking uh, freak show in his head from Carmela. One thing about us wise guys, the hustle never ends. Carmela, I think we were, when we watched Casablanca last week, Father Phil, the new print is great. You know what Bogey says, of all the lousy gin joints in the world, why you have to pick mine? Of all the Fanook priests in the world, why you have to get the straight one? Is there a commandment against aiding Zidi? <laughs> I have forsaken what is right, what is easy. Father Phil, uh, maybe being a rebel. We already talked about some of these quotes. A couple other quick things. The German episode title of this means a trip down memory lane. Reason the Wachengeintel. I don't even give a shit about this. In the movie that Father Phil... And Carmela are talking about, as Matt mentioned earlier, is the last temptation of Christ. So anything else you want to talk about on this episode, Matt? Or I think real we quick, this is about we gotta look this up for next time because yep. I didn't look it up. That guy that he killed, Fred, I believe 
in real life isn't an actor and this was like the one thing that he's ever done in his entire life. I remember reading that somewhere at some point. And also, just to go back, I forgot about this, but Carmela, if we want to get her intent from the second Phil comes over, remember she goes in and like when he rings the oh, bell. Oh, we forgot that. Goes, Good point, Matt. She goes and like fixes her hair up and tries to, I mean, as good as she's going to look, having probably not showered in three days and like. And being sick little, and everything like that. Like, she totally dolls herself up. She makes him wait. Yeah. She actually makes him wait in the rain while she dolls, yeah. dolls herself up. And what I'm going to, I'm looking on IMDb right now. I'm looking up right now. What is that character's name? Fred Peters. Yes. He doesn't even have his own IMDb page. So no, yes. he's like a nobody. He has, there's, if you. Well, he was I'll also, I got it right here. Tony Ray Rossi is an actor known for Donnie Brasco, Find Me Guilty, and Analyze This and The Sopranos. He was only in, uh, he was in a couple of things. He was in a few, few things. Not much though. Oh, I thought he, I thought I read something else. No, actually years. wrong guy because he was in Angie, Stonewall, Donnie Brasco, Kicks Me Gringo, The Sopranos, Analyze This, Sex in the City. His most recent work is Good Friday, and he's going to be in a movie, a short called Piss Apostle. <laughs> All right, I guess I was wrong about him. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, believe me, you uh, when you the more you do this with me, Matt, over the next eighty some seventy some odd episodes, we're yeah, both six years from now when we are fully bald. We're actually fully done. As we said, we're going to get a lot more done this summer when you're off when you're off work. So everybody, it's a good place to end. I think I think we pretty much covered everything, right, Matt? I think so. Everybody, thank you so much for checking out this Soprano recap. Sorry, we had a little bit of technical difficulties, but I'm glad it all cleared up. I'd like to thank all of our friends, Sam, Ren, Joe, McDicker, all of you guys for popping in the chat room and sharing your thoughts. If you want to share any of your thoughts about the next episode we're talking about, which I think is called Pax Soprano, I believe is the next one. Uh, you can always email questions ahead of time to I've got issues man at gmail.com. You can always call and leave voicemail 781-990-8509 or call during the live show. You can follow me on Twitter at I Got Issues Man. Find us on Facebook, Phil's Recap and Review. Make sure you subscribe and like this video if you haven't done already. You can find Matt on Google Plus under Big Daddy Matt. Make yep. sure... Make sure you also join Big Daddy our Matt K. Big, Big Daddy Matt K. That's right. And you can subscribe to our podcast at issuesprogram.com and the feeds in the description, description box. You can find all of our feeds, all that sort of shit. You know how to find us. McDicker, thank you so much. Sam, you're fucking awesome. Ren Renwood, we love you. Joe Dirty Locks, bravo to you, good sir. We give you a big hug. Let's poke Joe in the belly. Oh, you're such a cute Joey. <laughs> We'll talk to you guys next time. <laughs>